Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. It's a hot spot where I'm at. It's a hot spot where you're at. It's not, uh, I wouldn't, it's a warm spot. It's a warm spot. Yeah, it's lukewarm. Yeah. We want to spoon out of our mouth. Yeah, it's, uh, cases are up, but it's not, it's not like a lot of other places. So, yeah. Like yeah. here. <laughs> like you. Super right. up. Thousands. Yeah. So are people freaked out there? Some people are. Yeah. Some people are freaked out. I would um, guess. Some people are, uh, you know what? Business, we're going back to business as usual. We're going to restaurants. We don't care. We're going to the store. You're supposed to wear all over these uh, small towns and cities. You're supposed to wear a mask everywhere. Um, but on the 4th of July, that ordinance had just went into effect and we were out, we were out going to out, sit outside and watch these fireworks. And there were people and police officers and didn't have masks. So uh, I just thought, well, <laughs> I guess that was that was the effective ordinance. <laughs> yeah. What an interesting time we live in. Yeah. I think and it's sort of like we get in our patterns of living. We develop our patterns of living over time. And those patterns have been interrupted. And maybe... Maybe we we were on board with that in terms of it being necessary or maybe not. But even a lot of people who are on board with it are just like, all right, I'm done with that. <laughs> like, like, you know, as if as if that changes the reality of the situation, really, because it's interesting. I mean, we could be. It could be a long time. It could be many months where we're basically in this situation. And so, yeah. you know, will we adjust to reality? And I don't know, I don't know as a culture that we're super good at adjusting to reality. I think we just kind of feel like I will make my own reality, sir. <laughs> I think that's true. I think we so much can't handle the tension of like being in the middle of transition. And so we'll force our way to the conclusion. Like, yeah, right. I'm, I'm done with it. So, right. <laughs> right. That's right. I mean, yeah, I'm not doing it. So it's interesting. I, it's, uh, you know, I don't know what, the, I think it says something about us that we just fall in love with our, our routine, our life, uh, or it gives us uh, security or, you know, the sense of I'm a free agent, able to do what I want. And the fact that I, I'm supposed to, I have to do whatever it is uh, that I just, okay, I'm willing to tolerate that for a while, but now I need to get back to being, captain of my own destiny or whatever. Right. Uh, which, you know, that's not a statement about, uh, masks are not masks necessarily other than, I mean, the mask thing is a pretty low, I mean, it's not like we're, we're being made to, you know, wear a burqa or something yeah you know? or or have a you know uh some type of ordinance of uh go to go in your home at 7 p.m no one come out right. of your house right like right. i just heard uh i have a teammate uh, she works for me now she's from south africa so i guess the president there just spoke and they have to they they can't buy any alcohol like that's forbidden now they, <laughs> i heard that they can't like, how is that supposed to help it, it's almost like the the was it the governor of michigan or something like you can't buy um gardening things right <laughs> right yeah like okay that might be okay we get it generally we're on board I, i'm not sure why we're not gardening 
<laughs> yeah. Or painting. So, uh, right. So this was our intro. RTT six. This is our intro. That's the intro. Yeah. Hot spots and uh, <laughs> how to live in them. Uh, but uh, yeah. So um, speaking of getting your ruts and stuff, um, and our patterns of living and kind of taking that as normal, uh, kind of want to talk about uh, like who who we think how we think of ourselves, how we identify ourselves. Um, Cause that's part of it too. Um, in, uh, uh, in this book of Ezra that, that we're looking at, um, there's another wave of people that go back to the promised land. This is the, you know, one of the books where they're returning from exile, uh, returning from uh, Babylon, which, you know, was taken over by Persia. And so, uh, the situation is, uh, all of a sudden, that's oh, okay. You're working. Uh, yeah. So they have their, the, the King, uh, King Artaxerxes is obviously moved by God to let the people back right on God's timing and so on. And so people start going back and there's been a wave that go back. Uh, and Ezra shows up in the book named Ezra in chapter seven. Um, and, he's going to take a, a bunch of people back and there's a bunch of things we could talk about here uh in chapters in seven and eight you know where where we're looking at them going back and a couple things is um the first one of the things that happened it gathers the group back there's a, you know they gather they assembled it's in uh, chapter 8 verse 15 i assembled them at the canal that flows towards ahava or ahava whatever uh, and we camped there three days. And when I checked among the people and the priests, I found no Levites there. So they're going to go back and they're going to go back to the purpose for going back is to kind of restore God's people to God's land, uh, restore the temples been rebuilt, being rebuilt, being finished to restore the practice of, the worship in the temple, living to the, you know, by the law, kind of become the people that God made them to be, to live out their purpose, to live out their mission, uh, that God has a plan for his people. And part of that plan at this point in this in the story involves a promised land and a law and a temple and all of that stuff. You know, they got way off plan. All of that went away when they went to exile. And now they have the opportunity, uh, kind of miraculously, to go to go back and do that. Uh, and so they're going to go back and do that. And they're gathering by this canal, and Ezra's checking out, you know, all the people. And he goes, "Hey, wait, where, where are the Levites?" Yep. Uh, and so I guess talk about like like that was a problem. <laughs> 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 and you know what so what were the why the, why was that a problem what were the levites why don't you kind of expound on that a bit and then we'll kind of dive into what, we, what we're going to talk about yeah it's it's a problem because they were um you know the spiritual leaders the spiritual shepherds the um teachers uh, of the law the healers the mediators of prayer and worship uh, between god and the people and the people back to god and so you know I think it's probably indicative of the spiritual decline that the people were in, that there's no spiritual leaders. Where, where are the spiritual leaders 
um, to help shepherd the people. And uh, yeah, I don't exactly know what happened. You know, Mike, did they did they assimilate into the culture? Where like where are they? Where are they? Yeah, that's a good. That's the question. Is it seems like that's the case that you know these these people these many of these Levites most of them would have been born in captivity. They grew up in Babylon. They only knew the stories of you know who they were uh, and the promised land. And, and so, you know, they kind of, I would say they kind of forgot who they were, who they really were, or, or they misunderstood, or, you know, they thought of themselves as, yes, we have, we are this people, we have this heritage, but we live here now, you know, this (laughs) is our town, right? Uh, You know, we live in Babylon. Uh, This is all our people, all the people we know are here. Uh, you know, kids are born here, whatever, whatever it is we say, uh, we're comfortable, the king likes us, whatever. Um, and hey, I'm all in favor of you going back. I'm all in favor of people going back and reenacting the, you know, the temple and the land or whatever. But I think I'm going to, I'm good. You know? Yeah, I think, I think too, Mike, what do you think about this? Just in general, the nature of the spiritual life or spiritual growth. And I mean that in a, a really broad holistic way, but that's often the first to go. Yes. It's, it's often the hardest to tend to. Um, it's the easiest to let decline or let slide. Um, you know, I think there's so many other things that we might pay attention to rather than tending to, you know, our spiritual growth. Yeah. Cause it seems less immediate, less, you know, you got to pay the rent, you got to work, you got to, you know, wash the clothes and put gas in the car and get the kids wherever they need to go. You know, there's a bunch of stuff you, your kind of schedule demands you to do. And this is in spiritual cultivation. Growth is something that you kind of have to be intentional about. Yeah. Uh, and in other, in, in certain times, it's easy to sort of let that fade away. Well, somebody, somebody around me this week said something that I thought was pretty true, uh, that, you know, Christianity is is always one generation from being extinct. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, like if, if the Levites aren't passing down because they were born into this tribe, so they would have had sons in that culture that they would have been training to be Levites. Right. 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 So that's obviously not getting passed down either. Right. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of where, and, 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 it's easy to to think that all this other stuff, paying the rent, getting the kids to go where they that that's the point. That's the point. When obviously that's not the point. The one exists to serve, like us to live out who we are uh, in God's plan and God's mission to you know to be formed in His image. Uh, that that's who we're made to be, and the Levites were made to be the people who could serve in the temple, who could facilitate the worship of the one true God, who could bring the people to God, who could represent God to the people uh, who were versed in the law, all of that stuff, none of which they could do in Babylon because mm-hmm. there was no temple there or very, very little of it they could do. Uh, and and so they to not go back is sort of to miss the point, like to over-assimilate 
with where they were is to sort of miss the point of who they are and why they are on the earth. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what, you know, you it's, it's, we wouldn't say I'm on the earth in order to have a comfortable life. Right. But that's sort of our, if we're, if we're not being intentional, that's sort of the mode we're going to get into to be secure, to be comfortable, to be established in my work, you know, to, you know, to move, to build a life, to move, you know, uh, into the home I want to live in, all that stuff, get ready for retirement. Instead of all of those things being fine, but not the point, they, they become the point. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's probably what happened to the Levites there. It just seems odd that there weren't any. <laughs> uh, and, you know, that they had obviously become comfortable where they were. And, you know, they were indispensable, you know, to God's plan and God's mission. And they, But they acted as though somebody else could do it or they weren't worried about it or, or whatever. Uh, and so they forget their identity. Um, and so, you know, all of that to say, I, I think we, uh, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, we are the Levites now. And, you know, it's, it's easy for us to assimilate uh, and to kind of forget who we really are. Uh, you know, we forget our identity. Um, do you think it's possible, I'm just throwing this out, not always true, but do you think it's possible that um, age play can play a role in that? Um, I'm just thinking about typically the, the, the youth group in the church, you know, the youth group in the church is, they're really helpful, although they're often overzealous and black and white, they're, they're also helpful for, you know, reminding maybe some of us who've been at this a little bit longer, who can potentially get a little more cynical or bitter about it and let things drift. They, they, their passion um, can be a bit contagious. And I think maybe it's a little easier if we've been in exile a while, so to speak, like, you know, we've been living east of Eden for 60 years. It's hard. We've been in exile for 45 years. So, you know, it's maybe easier to assimilate. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I mean, you're, you're, you, you're born into it. You grow up into it. You, you know, you read the books, you watch the shows. It's just, you know, you go to school, you, you do all the things that people in the culture do, which may or may not be a problem. Uh, it's just, it's not, the, it's not that we do those things necessarily. It's a problem. It's just that we sort of, we'd let it to be who we are. We over identify with, you know, a certain level of education we're trying to get or a certain job we're trying to get or a certain, we over identify with even politics or our accomplishments or that all of these things become in our minds who we are. And so, you know, why would I leave all this to do some other stuff over here mm -hmm. when really the other stuff is the point. And I think that's, uh, you know, obviously we're not, you know, going back to the promised land per se, but this notion that we are God's people in this place of exile for his purposes, to live out his purposes in this place, um, is something that I don't think we, we own at a deep level, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's easy to get to a place where this is my life and I'll do some minimal religious stuff in order to maintain, you know, my good standing religiously or spiritually or something. Yeah. 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 Instead of, you know, it, that 
we're actually living in this bigger story and that going back and being the Levite I was meant to be, if you, you know, to extend that analogy is the point of the story I'm in. And if I choosing to stay in the comfortable place is not, you know, is missing the point of the story I'm in. It's shrinking the story down to having a comfortable life in Babylon instead of like, why am I here at all? Mm -hmm. Uh, I just think that's something obviously that we can do that we don't think of ourselves as being in this bigger story with a part of God's mission to carry forward. And so we just try to fashion a comfortable life instead and forget who we are. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you know, first Peter two, nine and 10 is, you know, that we are the Levites now. And there's always like a group going back to restore God's mission. Uh, and, you know, for Peter says, but you are the, cho- you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Um, that that's who we are, that we, the Levites were the stand-ins until Christ comes and God's people then are to fulfill the role, the priestly function to bring God to the people, bring people to God. That's us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we're not on that mission, we're doing exactly what the Levites did in Babylon. Mm -hmm. We're forgetting the point, like, what's the point of me being here? And uh, then we're not living in the bigger story. We're living in in the smaller story. And I think that all of this sort of dissatisfaction with spiritual life or I feel like I'm not connected to God or, you know, it'd be like, it'd be like the Levite staying in Babylon and saying, yeah, I just feel like I'm not really living out my spiritual purpose. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And uh, that's how, you know, that's what we do. We're not living in the big story. We don't see us ourselves as part of God's plan. And then we say, yeah, I just feel spiritually, you know, Adrift. Well, I think, yeah, I think when we talk about identity, um, often we've talked about you're adopted, you're son or daughter, you're chosen by God, you're beloved by God. All that's true. But Peter in that passage also says part of your identity is strangers and aliens. You're mm-hmm. ex- you're exiles. And I think it's easy to forget uh, I'm in exile, which means I'm a pilgrim. I'm always on the way. I'm never arriving. I'm never... I mean, I may have a home and a job and things like that, but I've n- not really settled down spiritually because I'm always in motion, carrying on the mission. I think it's easy to forget that. And maybe we want to forget that because exile means I'm on the outside. Yeah, I mean, it's countercultural. I mean, we have to remind ourselves. We have to continually remind ourselves because settling down is sort of what we're going to want to do. And, you know, there is the writer of Hebrews says it's a rest for God's people but it's, it's in the future, right? We, we want to enter that rest, if you will. And, um, and I think that's right. I think we forget that we are on mission while we are here. And that's the point. Now we're not, you know, there's no, America's not a promised land. There's no analogy for that necessarily. That the, the, the true rest is, what? Is, it, what? <laughs> is when we get, uh, get to heaven, get to new heaven, a new earth, new Jerusalem. And, and right now we are to be God's people in exile uh, and to enact his worship and to live out his truth and to have, you know, grace and love for people 
uh, and that's the point uh, of why we're here. Uh, and I just I feel like that we we're, we can be deceived in that we can have the life we're supposed to have and not be, you know, not be living missionally. And then we wonder, we don't live missionally, wonder why we don't have the life we're supposed to have. When that's why. Um, You'd be like, you know, the Levites being, you stayed behind feeling somewhat unsatisfied with their life, although that seemed good on the surface. And that's sort of, you know, that's kind of what I'm trying to get to. We can be like that. Well, we're not living the life, we're not living in the bigger story. Uh, And that's, that actually is going to, uh, you know, take a toll uh, on us. Uh, And we're never going to be fully, uh, you know, we're never going to be fully engaged spiritually and maturing and growing and contented spiritually unless we're sort of on this journey that we're supposed to be on and God's mission. Yeah, I, I, you reminded me of the uh, parable of the ten virgins that Jesus tells that um, the bridegroom went away and basically said, be, be ready for the return. And then what was it? Five of them were ready and five of them right. were not. And, right. you know, what I'm seeing here, too, is the Levites, they didn't stay ready for the return to the land. And yeah. I think that's a sign of being falling asleep spiritually. Mm-hmm. And how do we stay ready for the yeah. return of Christ? Right. You know? Yeah. And I think it's, it's, you know, it's easy to uh, like we over assimilate or we under assimilate, you know, that, you know, I think you mentioned uh, before, uh, you know, Jeremiah, when they're going there, you know, God says it basically be a part of the city. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't, you know, you live in bless, a little you bless the place you're living, but that's, a, right. that's a spiritual mission, right? That's right. So that's the, while you're there, you know, you bless the city that you're living in, uh, and live out God's mission there. But, you know, uh, you know, don't forget that. Don't forget who you are and why you're, why you're doing that. You're not doing that so you can be successful in the city. You know, you're doing that so you can be missional uh, in the city. Uh, and so then, you know, that's what we can do now. Of course, we can over-identify with our culture, forget who we are. Or we can, of course, under-identify, withdraw, live in an enclave and not have any impact uh, in the city. Um, and then I do think along with that, one of the other things that happens there is they, uh, in verse 21 through 23, that's the chapter, he says, there by the, by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the, from the enemies on the road because we had told the king the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him. But his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. Um, so I don't know why I find this a little bit humorous. It's like uh, they realize that they're, you know, they're gonna go on this journey and they don't have any protection. And the reason they don't have protection is because Ezra said, hey, we've got God, we don't, you know, we don't need protection. Uh, and so then they fast and pray uh, so that God is, is with them. And you know, that kind of got me, and, and, you know, and it says they, they returned uneventfully in four months. You know, so it, that, you know, they definitely, you know, they definitely were protected. Uh, be, uh, but they, it was sort of the sense of we have to rely on God. Um, 
that even if the king protects us, it's God protecting us through the king, but, you know, it's relying on God. Uh, and I think that's part of this idea of, for me, like, is God on my side or not? So that's another thing that we do, you know, is God on my side? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it God's job to protect me? And I think that God's on my side for his purposes in me and in the world. He's not on my side. You know, he's not a genie that I, that you know, in a bottle that I rub. He's not on my side. He doesn't, I don't have a blank check. It's not like whatever I want to do, God's on my side. And so he's going to, and then if I'm thwarted in whatever I want to do, hey, I thought God was on my side. Uh, you know, he's on my side, if you will, if you want to say it that way, f- basically for him. Or mm-hmm. better question, am I on God's side? Am I, you know, am I living on mission? Am I doing what he's calling me to do? Then he will, you know, he will obviously want to see that through to success in some way or another. Uh, and I think that's another thing that we do, you know, that I'll follow God, I'll live in the city, but then I over-identify, I assimilate, and then, but I still somehow want God's, like, it's God's job to, I don't know, get me get me the promotion or yeah, yeah. make sure nothing bad happens to me. Uh, and, and I think that's, we, because, you know, God's on my side as I join him in his story, in his mission. And then, of course, that may look different than what I expected. It's like for his purposes. He's really a side in my, you know, as I join his side, yeah. then I have, you know, and I do think that's sort of this, this, this mentality that we have that I don't really... I mean, other people are going back and that's great. God bless them. I'm going to stay here in the city, but I still want God to be on my side. Um, does that make sense? You know, this Yeah, yeah. Kind of I, I, I think about, um, you know, when it comes to faith, uh, there are, God does promise blessings and flourishing for a life of obedience. It's just that he gets to determine what and when that looks like. Well, I'm just called to be responsible and faithful. So there's responsibility and then there's results. I don't get to control the results. Um, but I do, I am responsible to continue to be faithful, trust in God, work with his ways and really ask myself, am I in alignment with God? Not as God aligning with my purposes and Mm -hmm. whatever plays out, that's really up to him. And he's bound himself to work in and through a fallen and broken world. So there's sin and death and disease and betrayal and all those things. It doesn't mean God's unfaithful and it doesn't mean that he um, hasn't blessed obedience. It just means that he gets to do it, um, in his way. And let me, I, I'm going to illustrate this weekend, uh, with, uh, with this illustration, you know, when we were first here, we went to the uh, beach and the waves were pretty big. And for all of my kids, it was the first time they had two of them had been there, but they didn't remember it. And, you know, the waves are coming in and they're just, just crashing, uh, mm-hmm. on my 11 year old. And, um, you know, it's, it was their first time. And so they're, they're trying to feel out what the ocean is like and six, seven foot waves. They're pretty powerful. And she starts to get frustrated because the waves are just so powerful. They're crashing into her and she's Mm -hmm. trying to walk out, but you can't work against the waves. And I'm going to use it for a different point, but to our point, I think um, the ocean is a side, the waves are a side. Like 
it's not the ocean's fault if I'm not cooperating with the flow of the waves. Right. They're there. And right. so I can either cooperate and participate in the, in the flow of the ocean, or I can resist it and get frustrated about it. Right. But it's not the ocean's fault. Yes. And so God yes. sets up a created order and the way things really work in life. And um, yeah, I think we can either cooperate with that and walk in his ways or we can resist it. But it's it's there. It's just how it's going to be. Yeah, like that's right. I think that's right. That where God has a story, God has a place he's going, God has a direction. And the more that we're, we're running counter to that, the more that we're running into resistance. Mm-hmm. But it's totally us. You know, we're blaming the resistance when we're the ones running into the way. Totally, waves. totally. And uh, I think that's it. That's all part of. I'm forgetting what the real situation is here. Uh, that you know that God uh, has promised blessing and uh, you know protection and comfort, but I, ultimately, I don't. That isn't fulfilled until uh the, the next age yeah and that if we look obviously at all the people that have followed god in the bible that god provided what they needed to accomplish the mission god was present with them you know paul said he learned to be content in all situations while he was in jail he said you know he wrote that and yet you know they all you know paul recounts you know beatings shipwrecks and so on and then they were you know were all executed uh so you know if you if you don't believe in the bigger story it seems like a bad deal they made (laughs) right right? uh but if they're in the bigger story then god is doing something beyond them that god is accomplishing uh and i think that's sort of do i remember who i really am do i remember that i'm you know a levite uh that i'm on you know his, his purpose and his plan to, you know, do I remember that, uh, God is aside and I join him for his purposes. Um, you know, that in a sense I can count on him to make my life purposeful and significant and, you know, that he, to, to bring his purpose to my life, but it's only not if I'm running into the, not if I'm crashing headfirst into the waves over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's, that is the sense of, I want to make my own reality. You know, I want to take God's place in determining what my reality should be. And then I'm upset with God when it doesn't turn out for me. Right. Uh, so, I mean, you know, to use, if the Levites stay in Babylon, they don't have the life that they feel like they should have. It's because, you know, the, the direction of the waves is taking them back to be God's people in God's land. Um, and for us, the direction of the waves is to live on mission, to, you know, be purposeful, to be transformed, to be about his work of the transformation and restoration of all things, redemption of all things. That's the direction of the waves. And as we're doing that, we get all the benefit of the waves. Uh, but within, we don't, I mean, I feel like we want to have our cake and eat it too. Yeah. I was going to ask you, how do, how do, um, you had talked about, you know, being reminded and remembering um, our identity and these markers that really help keep us grounded in Christ. What are some ways that we have that maybe God has already set up um, that we remind ourselves? 
Uh, yeah, I think that's part of the, you know, it's part of the purpose of spiritual rhythm, spiritual habits. Uh, it's part of the purpose of gathering together as God's people. It's part of the purpose of serving together. All of those things accomplish parts of God's plan, but they should be reminders and markers. That's why we need to keep doing them. Uh, that this is who I really am. And I think it's the same sort of thing. If we approach church as a consumer, this is an experience I like that makes me feel good. Uh, that's, and that's why I'm here. Uh, or I want to learn things or I want my kids to learn things, all of which are fine. Obviously, hopefully the experience is enjoyable. Hopefully they learn things. Hopefully your kids will learn right. things. Uh, but the point is bigger than all of those things. Like all of those things exist so that we can be God's people together on God's mission so that he will be glorified in us so that the world will look at us and see God's presence. Uh, and when we forget that thing, you know, if we forget the main thing and, and we substitute the second thing for the first thing, we sort of lose both. You know, it's one of Lewis's things that if we, we forget the first thing and we make the second thing, the, the first thing, we not only lose the first thing, the second thing can't carry the weight of being the first thing. Hmm. If the point of church is to learn information and have an enjoyable experience, uh, and, or to be, you know, protected from the world and, or whatever, uh, instead of things that that's part of a bigger story, then we don't even, we don't even end up getting those, the second things when we forget the first thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's kind of the whole, you know, one of the reasons you don't just read the Bible once, uh, and you know, I read it once I took good notes or whatever, is that we need to keep being reminded, this is who I am. Now, this is who God is. This is who I'm in relationship to him. This is who I am in relationship to other people. This is the mission I'm on. This is my purpose. This is my destiny. This is the story I'm in. Uh, because we will become the Levites that are over-assimilated and we forget that. Oh, my whole point is to go back uh, in, that, in that part of the story. That was the whole point. Um, and, you know, what is my whole point, really? Uh, and I think we live as though we don't have a whole point or our whole point is whatever it is I want to do with my life. And that actually shrinks everything down um, to something that's just smaller. And it's just a smaller life, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I would argue because of the pool of sin, uh, P-U-L-L, and... Um, internally and externally we're, we need wake up calls daily, weekly. We need the reminders of, you know, you're going to decline into, I'm going to make the point of my life this small. Mm -hmm. And right. then, and, and, and like you said, I'm going to lose the first and the second thing. Um, but we need those reminders. We need, we need the weekly rhythms. Uh, honestly, we need the weekly rhythms of uh, worship and preaching and confession. Um, so if people are joining and going to see church online or they're going to person, um, we need those things. Yeah. Right. You, you think you need them as much as you do, but right. they've been prescribed. Right. That's right. Uh, you can't just listen to one episode of road table talks. Come on. Is it you need one? 63 <laughs> you need one every week? <laughs> That's right. Uh, 
And I think that that's because we're creatures, because we're fallen creatures, because we're immersed in a culture that's not, you know, living according to God's purpose, we are going to forget. And I think that's part of understanding our culture is understanding the pull it has on us, that we're trained to be consumers here in America. We're trained to look at everything from through that lens. So we're trained to look at church through that lens. Is this the experience that I really want? You know, is this, you know, is it satisfying my desires and wants and needs? Uh, and if not, I'll go somewhere else. When, uh, you know, that part, part of those things have to exist so that am I becoming the person God is making me to be? We as a family, are we living on mission? And that can probably happen in a lot of churches, probably cannot happen at any church because mm-hmm. I have, to, you know, right? I have to, I have to opt in. I have to, uh, you know, be reminded that that's, that's the whole deal. Um, I just think it's hard. I mean, it's everything about us pulls us in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not, you know, not evil things. It's not like school is evil or work accomplishments are evil or saving for retirement is evil. You know, these are not sinful things in and of themselves, but we can rely on them and over identify with them in simple ways that just take us away from who we really are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I do feel like once, when, you know, the, the 10 version virgins, you know, when the bridegroom shows up, how, however the wait was, however long it was or unpleasant or boring or distracting or whatever, <laughs> it's like the wait doesn't even matter anymore. Uh, and I think once this part of the story is over, then I don't know if there's regret in the next part of the story. I assume there's not, but it would be like, man, what was I thinking? Yeah. Right. Like I was just, huh? I can't, <laughs> I mean, I knew, I knew the answer. Why didn't I live? Uh, and I think that's because we need to remind one another. We need to be reminded. We need to be in these rhythms we are dependent on God to, you know, to supply us with what we need so that we can live out this purposeful life uh, because of all of these things. And, I, you know, I do feel like that um, the idea that we've arrived, uh, that we don't need to be reminded is something that someone who's has some level of spiritual maturity you can fall into that trap, right? Mm-hmm. And that, you know, this teaching is beneath me, or this is too simple, or I've heard this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that I'm above it in some way. Uh, I think that's something that you can have a lot of spiritual maturity and a lot of knowledge, and you can sort of then forget. And we, I think, we all do that to some degree, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, it's easy to be on the outside looking down and just think, well, that didn't connect with me. I don't like it. That's right. not deep enough. Um, it was boring. Yeah. It's a lot of these passive voice things like that didn't connect with me. Like I'm just a dissatisfied customer mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of that. <laughs> of that biblical truth you presented (laughs) (laughs) and it's right. And it's like, you know, okay. And that's not to say that things, you know, it is important how well we present things and there's an art and a craft to these things and training is required and so on. But the point of it is that, am I living 
if I'm being transformed into his image, am I living on mission? Like I have a responsibility to take, take it. And <clears throat> what does God want to do with this in this way? And, uh, you know, who am I to sit above and look down, you know? Uh, but I think it's, it makes us, I mean, we do it cause it, it sort of feels good. Right. It sort of feels good to, you know, it's like the runner who's, um, you know, counseling the the person who's just starting to run and it can only run like a, a half a mile or something. And, you know, well, it kind of feels good because I can run many miles uh, and forget that you were once that runner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can kind of do that. Uh, and part of, you know, part of, part of our mission is to not only be passive recipients of something, but to be actively engaged, not only for us, but for someone else to help someone else along the journey, you know, as part of my journey as well. So, um, and I do think too, that's one of the things that's even makes it even sort of worse for us because we can look back on Ezra's story. For instance, we see the whole thing from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a lot more of that data we can look back on and see, this is what God did for his purposes. And, it's easy to say, well, the Levite should have showed up, you know, because uh, we know how the story ends. Of course, Ezra didn't know exactly how the story ends. He just had to live through it by faith. And that's where we are. I mean, we sort of know how the story is going to end big picture. We just know a lot more and we know we can look back at God's people and God's history. And we still forget the story we're in and where we're going and who we are. We just have way more information, right? Like yeah. we don't need more information, yeah. really. Uh, some people do, but most people, we have plenty of information that we're already not, you know, living by or whatever. Mm-hmm. That we're forgetting. We have a lot of information we're forgetting. Uh, you know, what does it mean to then be reminded and to live it out? So, anyway, that's sort of what I'm, what I'm wrestling with in this part of the story. To what extent am I, am I over-identifying? Uh, and to what extent do I forget what story I'm in? What impact does that have? What does it mean to kind of live in the story I'm supposed to be living in, dependent, and all of that stuff? And uh, how do I help other people do that? And uh, and why do what? Yeah, why do we forget all of that stuff? So, yeah. um, so we'll leave you with those questions uh, on this day and. Uh, trusting that uh god does have a plan god there is a mission that we're on it there is a bigger story and by faith we understand that we're living in it and one day we will look back on it and how we respond and you know it matters uh, it will matter for us uh and uh let's um let's remind one another uh, that we're in god's big gracious story Uh, so with that grace and peace Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.